The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to Sisters Speak. You're joined with me, Sonia. Me, Fadeen. <laughs> me, Sadiq. I'm Mariam. Um, today we have a very special guest all the way from Muslim Senses. Um, and today we'll be talking about Muslim Senses. So just a quick introduction of Sadiq. So Sadiq Dorsa is a co-founder of Muslim Senses. It's an independent organisation that specialise, specialises in collecting represented data to highlight issues faced by the UK Muslim community. Having co-founded the organisation, Sadiq leads on strategy, research, marketing and the day-to-day running of it. Aside Muslim Senses, he is the product manager for Wahid, which is a fintech company that allows Muslims to invest in a Sharia-compliant way. And before joining Wahid, he was the product manager for MNS and a data analyst for HSBC. And if that wasn't enough, uh, Sadiq is also list for, listed as Forbes Under 30. So <laughs> very warm welcome well to Sadiq to Sister Speak. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. Thank you for uh, the great introduction. Asalaamu Alaikum, everyone. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. So we are very excited to talk about uh, Muslim Senses, all about Sadiq, Sadiq Dorsa, and we will also be touching upon the cost and living crisis. But before we do that, Sonia, what is our show? Uh, what is our show about? Our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues, and form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture, politics, identity, and social media. Please note that all opinions and views are our own, and we respect all other opposing or similar views and opinions. So just yes. to reiterate, we, we respect. That disclaimer in. Yeah, yeah <laughs> have to caveat, caveat it. Uh, so just to know that we do respect all other opposing views. If you want to join in our discussion, Farin, how can they join in? You can call us on zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two, or you can WhatsApp us on o triple seven nine four eight one eight two two, or you can also watch us on Facebook Live at Inspire FM. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also message us on Instagram at Sister Speak. Um, so, just diving into, straight into the show, we have this segment called Thought of the Week, and it's just a segment where we talk about something insightful, something we're thinking about, or maybe just perhaps a reflection. So, I'm not going to start off with Sonia to say share her Thought of the Week, and she's nodding her head, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to choose her first. Oh, no. I, I want to continue on from my last week's Thought of the Week. Go ahead. Um, because I feel like I've become an adult now, and mm. obviously, as, but last week I was talking about how when you want to react you just want to react straight away but part of being an adult is like taking time you know just thinking about it thinking let me react when i'm not angry or when i'm not feeling all these emotions and this rage or whatever it is this excitement um and it sounds a bit boring but i feel like it's helped me in the past like two to three weeks um because things things get heightened you know emotions etc whatever it is and sometimes you just need to take a moment and that for me is like the difference one of the differences of being younger and being an adult so yeah just want to continue on from that last week's one a very good thought of the week i think that's something that we all can resonate with in terms of governing our emotions so deke what is your thought of the week um okay so i had the pleasure of meeting uh habib yesterday uh namagamedov the famous fighter um and i asked him a question uh with regards to when did you know enough was enough you guys hear like uh, water? I, mean, I could hear that trickling yeah. as well. Yeah. We'll, we'll get that trickling. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Carry on, this is so interesting. No, we're, not, we're not like about to be flooded, right? Um, so, yeah, wh- when did you feel like enough was enough, or how did you make that kind of decision uh, where, alhamdulillah, you've had enough in life? Um, because, you know, he stepped down and retired from UFC when he was at the peak, um, and he said that he had other fights on the cards that were ready to pay. 10 million, 20 million, 30 million. Um, And, you know, someone that had it all, he spoke about risk. Mm. And he said, well, it was easy to let it go because that's what Allah intended for me. And any additional money that I could have made wasn't meant for me. Um, And that's how he kind of like navigates life where... He's there's no greed in him, um, and I feel like I tried to think about my own life and being involved, especially in London. I don't know if Luton is like a little bit different, but in London, you it, like you're in a rat race, yeah, and you're chasing the best opportunities, you're chasing the best salary, the job, whatever, 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 and you almost doesn't to no end. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, someone who's got it all has that, you know, that that full uh, belief and trust in Allah. Um, then anyone can, right? Uh, so that's that. That's my f- thought of the week. Amazing. I think again, that's something that we've kind of spoke about as well mm. in our show. Um, because again, it is about this rat race, and sometimes we get so we're so fixated in terms of getting certain results because society tells us these are the accolades that we should achieve. Especially in terms of age, we think yeah, there's a yeah. certain trajectory we have to achieve. Mm-hmm. But alhamdulillah, we're Muslim, and we know that risk is very written. It's it's defined. It's it's, it's already there. We just have to do our best and ensure that we're try, try to put them, create some sort of positive impact. Because I do believe quite firmly that as Muslims, we all have a certain strength and Allah has given us a certain quality and we yeah. should use that quality for the betterment of other people. Um, but often when we're in this rat race, it's very individualistic. And so we don't think about the wider impact and we don't think about how we should please Allah. So thank you for sharing that. That was really insightful. Um, Farin, what is your thought of the week? Um, my thought of the week, I've been thinking about this all week. That's why it's my thought of the week. Um, just about uh, enjoying your own company. I feel like sometimes um, we tend to think that when people are alone, we like kind of pity them. We're like, oh, they're alone, they're this. But I think enjoying your own company, being alone with your thoughts is really important. And I've been trying to implement it now. I like, I've been getting tired of, I'm like trying to get antisocial, kind of. <laughs> I've been trying to get out of the social interactions, out of a lot of people and try to like be with my thoughts, my stuff, be busy with, uh, with what I have to do. So that's my kind of third of the week. Yes, it's not, you know, you don't have to be with someone to enjoy life. <laughs> like you, ha- you can, but you know, you. You need to have those moments where you're by yourself with your own thoughts. So that's a brilliant thought of the week. I think often we kind of uh, can't differentiate what's what's solitude and being alone. And I think because of that, we become really uncomfortable with our own thoughts. Does anyone have their own thoughts on that? I, I think there's a balance. Um, as much as I do like spending time with myself, I much prefer being with other people. Uh, so like your family, friends mm-hmm. um, And I think You grow By speaking to other people About things that are passionate about Like to you Like f- for example I've got a very very close group of friends um, And if I hadn't spoken to them about Certain things Whether that's from a Dean perspective mm-hmm. Or a Dunya perspective Like they're, they're there To guide as well mm-hmm. um, And you know You're, you're a, a, a total of the group of friends that you yeah. spend the most time with um, and that's for a reason uh, yeah. they can either pull you in a good direction or a bad direction absolutely Sonny did you say I'd have something no, to add I was just thinking I spoke about that a few weeks ago too because mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about that I feel like the you are the product of the company you keep yeah. no matter what you say you can say that you're the most strong willed person yeah. I'm not easily influenced that's fine but you're still going to be a product of your environment yeah. so you just have to pick really wisely I guess and that comes from the prophetic tradition as well um, in hadith that Allah, and the prophet says وسلم, that the people that we um, have come uh, the people that we spend the most time with they're the people that influence us mm-hmm. and we should take care of how we make those decisions make conscious decisions of who we pick mm-hmm. um, and I think what Sadiq was saying was something that I resonate because I think my groups of friends have evolved as I've, as I've evolved and I think one thing that, especially during university, you meet so many people from different spe- spectrums. Um, and I think one thing that persistently kept coming was that I wanted to hold on to my principles and values. Mm. Um, and however that manifested was through my friendships and in the activities that we do. And still today, I feel like my group of friends I have now are reflective of this. So I, and I feel like just because of that, alhamdulillah, I have achieved so much just because the company I have is always going turning back to Allah. Um, and even though everyone is... I guess part of this rat race, they know that when they when they reflect, it's it's about pleasing Allah at the end of the day, and it's about positive impact. So I definitely resonate with that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, it's a good segue to for my next question, and actually targeted at Sadiq. <laughs> what experience has made Sadiq Dosat today? Um, so Mariam, you're gonna have to start saying Sadiq, man. Alright, what experiences have made me who I am today? Good question. Um, I would say just growing up with my family, my friends in my area. Um, So I 
come from a very loud family. Does that make sense? So as in like everyone's quite outspoken. Yes. Everyone's quite um, confident. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a good time. Um, and if you kind of want your opinions heard, <laughs> you've got to come with yeah, the same I level of energy. Yeah. Um, and also they're like, my parents and my sister are very much strong people, 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 persons, person, people, people, persons. people, person, people, people, because <laughs> it's plural. Well, it makes sense. People, persons, people, persons, <laughs> <laughs> we're making up words. Um, and I've learned to be that way as well. Um, I definitely get a lot of energy from mm-hmm. just being around others um, and talking uh, just like this, actually, yeah. So that has informed you of your passions and your motivation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I knew from day one, um, I didn't want a job that just had me sat behind a desk and never speaking to any people. Mm-hmm. Um I knew I wanted a front-facing, like speaking to people, speaking to customers, mm-hmm. um, speaking about things that I'm passionate about and hearing what other people have to think as well. Um, it's it's what makes me tick. Um, and I figured that out through like my childhood. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Sonia, same question for you. What? <laughs> <laughs> what experience have made me who I am today? Yes. Oh, I like to so do introspection. Difficult. You both know that. So, mm. um, well, I'd firstly say living in Luton is such nice. a strong thing. It's huge, and we who live in Luton, and now you live in Luton too. You can, I'm sure you can vouch for that. Luton you chose a, to live in Luton. I know. Luton has a bad rep, you know. We, we do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to make it better. Us three, right here. So, it, you know how it shapes you, right? Wherever you live, it shapes mm. you. And I think living here. You want to defeat all the odds. You want to break all the barriers. Mm-hmm. You want to because you see so much diversity, but in good and a bad way. So I think that would be the first thing. Um, secondly, obviously, family. And then I would also say school. School mm-hmm. and college um, shaped me from when I was younger. But then as I got older, I'd say, what university I'm working. Sounds such a basic, cliche answer. I've literally just told you my life thing. <laughs> but, but it shapes yeah. you, it does. Um, and I feel like some of the stuff you even said, I kind of resonate with now because I feel like I have had a, a desk job, as you would say, and I enjoyed that and I think it was really great. But I think as we grow older, it's good to try just different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel like um, in terms of shaping me, I'd have to pick, if it was one thing, I'd say where I live and where I come from. Nice. Amazing. Farin? I'm not actually sure. I think I agree with Asanya a little bit. You know, my family, especially my sister, which I've is like my best friend forever. But anything that shaped, <laughs> I'm gonna cringe so bad. <laughs> but anything that shaped me, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a stage where I don't really think about this stuff and all the experiences that I've. Yeah, I don't think I can answer this question. That how old are you, Farron? Eighteen. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm just doing yeah. my A levels now. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the oldest here? You are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm here to give Just wisdom. Just to confirm, you're under 30 because you're in Forbes 30 under 30. That is correct. That is <laughs> correct. That then. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah. I'm, and if, growing up in Spain, I think that also obviously had an impact on, I think, a little of like learning more beliefs and, mm. you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I, have, woman, yeah. <laughs> I have like three years to go still. Three years to go. <laughs> yes. I think, I think uh, my. My answer is uh, definitely family. I like Lexi uh, Sadiq. Nice. <laughs> Make me more conscious about that. Um, I think my family have been the people that have really informed the person I am today. And especially I come from an extremely big family. So my my dad's siblings, my mom's siblings, when we just come together, just their siblings, there's always like 60 of us. Mm-hmm. So for wow. me, it's just very, I'm very accustomed to be in big gatherings. Um, I like to be a people's person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I resonate with uh, uh, Sadiq as well because I feel like I, I have to have jobs where <clears throat> I'm speaking to people. Otherwise, I feel like I don't have any growth. Mm-hmm. And that's just personally for me, that's just kind of my nature. Um, because I do feel like I'm quite, uh, I'm a person that absorbs a lot. I like to hear what other people say, what's the observations, what's the experiences. And I like to tease out or extrapolate kind of things that they've learned from the experiences, so like secondhand experience. So that's something that I feel like has informed me today. And I think also the aspect of religion, I think that has really informed my character in terms of um, trying to learn about the uh, meeting people who are actively trying to 
um, do things for the community, I think that's something that has really shaped the person I am today. And I do feel like even being with Inspire FM for so many years now, um, I do feel that's an act of worship because it is for the community. It's, it's voluntary. It's other Kajaria. I pray it is. Um, and also like my external engagement with Femiso and all these other things that I'm involved with. So I feel like from a very young age I really enjoyed being part of community and even Sonia and I we, we used to go to youth club together yeah, very long time ago and I feel like that kind of accelerated my um, development and social skills so that is kind of my experiences but I'm now going to move to the next question um, which is what has made you the happiest last year go on, oh, the happiest last year um the happiest. I don't want to say something shallow. <laughs> That's okay. That's completely okay. Like Just unpack it. Top Just three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, do you know what? Honestly, getting on the Forbes list last year, it, it made me happy for like a morning. And oh. then it was kind of like just... Did you pay for it? No, no I didn't pay for it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I think the things that made me really happy last year um, is growing with my family um mm. so alhamdulillah we uh moved out of our council flat mm. um to our own home alhamdulillah. and that was like a huge step um for all of us and of course it came with so much stress <coughs> and pressure but now that we're actually living there um like alhamdulillah it's 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 beautiful that's honestly like one of the biggest things of, of last year um but i would say as well um, growing Muslim census and then now actually having my day job around trying to serve Muslims in this country as well um, is very aligned to my passions and what I want to do in life. So I feel like I'm at a really like, good stage um, and doing what I love. So, and that probably wasn't what it was at the start of last year. So. That's really well. Firstly, huge congratulations in moving from your council flat to a home. Uh, That's a huge achievement, a huge milestone. And pray Allah puts barakah in your new home and in your new life, in your new home. Um, But Sonia, what is your happiest? No, No? (laughs) I really have to think about that, you know, because um, there's so many, Mm. there's actually so many happy moments. And not to copy you, but we also moved out. Yes, oh, no way, yeah. no way. I'm yeah. Thank you so much. And it was, you know what? It's like a, I don't know if it's an Asian thing or whatever, but it's such a big thing when of you course. get that house where yeah, you're yeah. like, finally, we finally got the house that we want, the family home where our parents are going to grow up. Yes, yes, exactly. So that. I feel like that was definitely one of the biggest achievements for me and my whole family oh, last nice. year. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but in general, I would say. Um, this is so. This feels shallow to me, but I would say work-related uh, achievements. Just being it's not shallow at all. Yeah. Thank you. I think I've moved, progressed so fast in such a short time, and I think that that does make me a little bit happier. Of course, should be make it, should be happy. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And this sounds so lame as well, but turning twenty-five because I was so scared for so long. Like, you were. Especially after century. COVID took so many years, you know, I felt like, oh my God. But now I'm like 25, I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with it. Like, I'm happy. Yeah. I feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm not scared. So don't worry about growing old. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming soon, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's many more moments. I find happiness in everything all the time. That's like my main thing, so. I can confirm that. She really does. <laughs> Thank you. So. Karen? I think, you know, honestly, this year, I think that me and my family will really feel like proper Newtonians, you know? Oh, nice. <laughs> because Is that a good we, thing? I don't know. No, it's, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a happy thing. I think when we came, we were kind of all over the place, looking for our place. We moved like three times mm-hmm. as well. We're still you know, looking for our own home, inshallah, one day. Inshallah. So yeah, I think what made me the happiest, we've, even if we don't have the home that we want now, we're still, you know, we made so many friends, we're in the community, which is something, something that we didn't have uh, back mm-hmm. in Spain. So that's made me really happy. And obviously volunteering, joining obviously sister speak also made me really happy we didn't pay her to say that <laughs> just today yeah. <laughs> yeah just just honestly uh, taking part in a lot of things here in Luton uh, volunteering mm. and yeah that's yeah just being involved honestly has made me really happy this year amazing since that seems like mashallah you guys have had uh, great highlights this year moving on from that and what about you yeah what about me yeah isn't that how the show works uh no i get to pick and choose actually okay. <laughs> um but since you asked now mm. i think for me my i think last year alhamdulillah it was a great year for growth i think i really challenged myself in terms of 
um, putting myself in uncomfortable situations, so traveling with FEMISO, um, becoming the training operations officer for FEMISO, um, doing patchwork, so even hosting a, a masterclass in News HQ, which was a huge nice. thing for me, um, especially because I was with John Pina, and that day was, it was really hectic because um, that day, our current prime minister, who was the sec, prime sec, resigned that day, so it was extremely hectic because News HQ homes the Times, Daily Mail, Sunday Times, um, uh, the mail on Sunday so I think those kind of experiences really contributed to my confidence actually because mm. I really suffered low self-esteem after university and I think last year I really plunged into different experiences and that really acceler- accelerated my growth so I think what made me really happy is that I wasn't really fixated on terms of a goal I just was really present into, in terms of the journey mm. and that really helped me to grow the way I have alhamdulillah um nice. In ne- moving on to my next question, which is, uh, I feel like you guys will need a moment to think about it. And I'm going to go straight to Sadiq, oh, which is, <laughs> what areas in your life are you becoming comfortable or complacent in, in which you no longer want to become comfortable or complacent in? What areas? Okay. Good question. Um, see, this is the thing. I'm becoming comfortable, but... I'm not not happy with it. Like I'm 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 happy. Um, before, like I said, um, I'd say a year ago, two years ago, I felt like I was chasing something that I could never actually have. So it would just be, you know, like the the carrot on a stick that mm-hmm. would just keep moving further and further. Um, and there's I don't know if it's a hadith. The Prophet or it's it's um, just a, a scholar that mentioned it. That but uh, the son of Adam will only be full when his mouth is full of dirt. Oh wow! As in that's very he's, he's, he's dead, he's or land. yeah, he's in the ground. Um, so you keep chasing, it will just be endless. So sometimes you actually do have to sit and say okay what am I going to be comfortable with in life Um, and then okay once I've reached this I can continue going but without with the brakes on slightly Mm -hmm. so that I can focus on because I'm not here forever Mm. like I'm you know I do have to meet my maker at at one point for sure Um, and yeah so I I feel comfort in feeling that and I've stepped off the gas a little bit with life, but I'm happy for that, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes absolute sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I haven't really thought about it that way mm. in terms of just being content yeah. is, is really important. Yeah, I, I think deciding what you're content with yeah. is so important. It's so important. I think people live their life not knowing where their contentment is coming from. Um, or searching for contentment mm-hmm. without necessarily, yeah, n- knowing where it's going to come from. Um, and then it's just endless and it can spiral. And I definitely, I think that's a symptom of being uh, in an individualic, individualistic society because mm. you're constantly thinking you don't have enough or you need yeah. to move on to the next milestone. Um, so you're looking you. at social media, you're seeing all these other people mm-hmm. doing everything they want to do. You're like, I want that. Especially because we're given this certain trajectory that we have to, by this age, we should be here. Yeah, yeah. By this age, and especially with social media, mm. because it's so visible, we can see, we're connected to everyone. We can see people posting where they, what they've achieved, mm-hmm. and we feel almost inferior that why we haven't we achieved yeah. it? We're the same age, but we actually don't account for our circumstances. So I definitely think that's something we should really think about. Sonia, Jonas? Um, well, I feel like what you just said, both of you, is so insightful. It's completely throwing me off now, but um, it was a good thing. But in terms of like complacency, um, I would say education. Nice. So obviously, like life's been happening, as you've been saying, like everyone's just on this grind doing things. And I'm like, hold on. Like sometimes I realize, oh yeah, I like, I'm kind of smart. And I was like, I need to re engage my brain. Um, and this is part of, I've spoken about maybe going back into education um, because it's always good to just be learning things, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But when you're older, no one's forcing you to do it anymore. You have to force yourself or discipline or you want to do it, right? And I'm definitely coming towards something where I'm like, I think I definitely want to go back into education. Don't know what field it may be yet, but I need to just 
engage my brain because mm. I don't want it to go just numb. Plateau. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I've become complacent. I think I think I resonate with that. Before I used to read four books a week, and I think. <gasps> Yeah, that's amazing but, um, and now I, I barely read two books in like a whole year so oh okay that's bad, that's bad. <laughs> you can see that I mean God, I'm holding myself accountable um, and I think I, I, I'm that type of person I really love learning so mm. I've done I, I realised that when I don't do short courses with Faith Institute and then I'm not being endorsed with uh, with my teacher Shabir Hassan or, uh, you may know of, of him of course yeah so Ustad. yeah Ustad exactly he's my Ustad as well um I feel like I just become in a rut and I think it's because I'm so accustomed to learning especially with you know the degree that I did um, it was just consuming so much knowledge and I feel that I wanted to use my degree as a way to uh, as a way it's transferable skills because I did English literature which explains why I did four books a week um, I feel that those something those are the skills that I could use to understand our religion because obviously our religion is from the Quran there's so many stories it's contextual we understand why certain things happen and how we can implement that in our daily lives Assalamu alaikum this is Atif Nawaz listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Assalamualaikum everyone, welcome back to Sisters Speak. You're here with me, Mariam, and also joining the show is Sonia, Farin, and Sadiq uh, from Muslim Senses. So in the first half of the show, we were just uh, talking about reflections, having a bit of introspection in terms of um, our thoughts. And in this half, we'll be talking about Muslim Senses and the way Muslim Senses was founded and also talking about the cost of living um, crisis report. So I'm just going to dive straight into it. Um, Sadiq, can you tell us what is Muslim Senses? Yeah, uh, so Muslim Census is a community and market research organization uh, specifically focused on the 4 million Muslims living in the UK. Uh, so what we do is we try and tackle issues mm-hmm. where there is no underlying data uh, specifically for Muslims. So be that um, matters of finance, matters of uh, actual faith, uh, matters of um, employment. Currently, there there is no faith based data, mm-hmm. um, so we never know what the impact is of anything, any policy change, any impact uh, in the in the world upon Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to rectify that gap, um, and even uh, charities, Muslim charities, or people that actually want to support Muslims, they never know how best to because there's no data so there's no organization that goes around and surveys i don't know a thousand two thousand ten thousand we've even had surveys of forty thousand telling people exactly okay this is what muslims are struggling with this is how often or severe they're struggling with it and this is how they want it to be solved um so that's what muslim census does um we launched two years ago well two and a half years ago what are you serious what two years ago i thought this was going on forever no, it's very i'm it's not i don't, don't look that old no. oh my gosh of muslim census of course i've heard okay, of it and i've seen it statistically amazing and so on. amazing and you know you just don't even think i thought this is always going on like it just seems like something that's always been there so so we started um a few months into the pandemic so was we it 2019 to 2020 20 wow. yeah so we went into the pandemic march 2020 sure. and we launched uh july 2020 so that's march, really April, good july, yeah. i i literally feel i okay hate to say this but i thought it was government related or council related i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i don't Do you know what that just means we're doing a very good job that's how, yeah because um, that's how ingrained it was because you, you see us as Seriously professional. Yeah. Which, alhamdulillah, yeah. is exactly what we are. Not government funded, as in professional. Yeah. Good. Uh, just talk me through the process then, uh, informing um, Muslim Census, because it did launch uh, in, in the midst of a pandemic. Correct. Um, so how what was the thought process behind that? Yeah. Um, so I took a real interest into the data around COVID. Sure. Um, and of course I was looking at certain things like death rate, comparing the UK to Spain, Italy, China, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, 
And then the government came out with a report that said ethnic minorities were two or three times likelier to die of COVID. Yeah, I remember. Um, and then there was a uh, employment report uh, that said that ethnic minorities were disproportionately impacted with regards to job loss during the pandemic as well. Um, but nothing faith-related. And we know that Muslims, uh, half of Muslims, 50% of Muslims, live in the top 10% of the most impoverished areas in the UK. So when we're, th- when we're saying no- things like, oh, ethnic minorities are disproportionately impacted, my mind says, wait, even further disproportionately impacted must be Muslims. But no one's paying attention to it because there's no numbers, there's no data, um, and everyone's kind of like just ignoring us. We are only, you know, 5%, we're now 6.5% of the population. So if we don't have our own source of the truth, who's going to look into it? Um, And it was a time of the Black Lives Matter movement as well. And again, the conversation for Muslims felt separated. Mm-hmm. When actually, in in the UK, ten percent of Muslims are black, or black African, or black Caribbean, um, and the conversation was, oh no, this isn't our issue. This is, you know, this is uh, mm-hmm. UK wide. These guys' issue. People were moving like it was separate. No, absolutely not. It's it's our issue as well. We should be caring about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. We should be caring about what's happening uh, in in the US and what's happening at our own home as well. Um, so I passionately express exa- exactly how I've been doing to you guys, uh, to one of my closest friends, uh, Mo Mohammed. Uh, he's the co-founder of Muslim Census and we've known each other ever since year seven. So we went to the same secondary school, uh, so nice, been yeah. best friends since then. Um, shout out to Mohammed. Come on. Uh, we actually met in year six. Uh, my primary school had a football match against his primary school. Uh, and I scored the winner is what I tell everyone because that's what I remember but my memory is a bit foggy but anyway we have to ask Mohammed yeah yeah you have to ask Mohammed because he has a completely different story like day one and I'm like wait what that wasn't the match that I played in Um, and it was at the time where no one was allowed out apart from for like your 30 minute walk or whatever it is so we used to go to the park uh, and just play football not like properly, but we'll just do kick ups and from pass a distance. It. Exactly, from mm-hmm. a legal distance. Legal distance. If yeah. anyone's listening. They are. Um, and he completely bought into what I was speaking about mm-hmm. um, and said, wait, let, let's, let's actually do this. And we, and we didn't think it was going to be anything big. Um, so I built in public. So I used like social media to really like mm-hmm. speak about what we were trying to build, sharing logos. Uh, shared the first survey uh, we had 250 responses wow. and then I just closed it and bear in mind it was just me and Mo and uh, he took on building out the website and I took on essentially doing marketing comms and then all the analysis and write-up of a report and then we did some design work um, and we launched our first study which was for the first time looking at anti-blackness within the Muslim community um, and that somehow went and was quoted in The Guardian um, and fueled a lot of work um, in terms of actually like our recommendations <coughs> were of you know making sure we had uh, scholars come in and speak about certain issues all year lot, all year wide mm-hmm. rather than Black History Month for example um, and then there were a few others, um, and they were all taking a ball. We went around universities, uh, like showcasing our data. We went around professional groups and professional networks uh, in the corporate industry and in the employment sector. Um, so it was really, really cool. And then uh, from then on, we kind of like kicked on. We had two people reach out to us and say they wanted to volunteer. Like we didn't even ask for volunteers. We did. We just thought this was going to be like you know like mm-hmm. a side passion project that we would do. All of a sudden, we had. A team now of two Um, and then we launched our second report which was the financial impact of covid Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there we really kind of like went went on sounds really um inspiring especially in terms of the team was so small um how did you pick the questions in terms of your surveys because 
especially if it's pertaining anti-blackness mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. Muslim community. Of course, yeah. There's a lot of sensitivity Absolutely, around that. Yeah. So how did you inform those questions? Yeah. So um, I did a maths degree uh, growing up uh, and then at uni, of course. Um, and then I did uh, a few st- stats modules. Sure. Um, so I knew uh, from a data background of what questions are mm-hmm. good questions uh, to actually conduct an analysis but then in terms of like that subject matter expert knowledge, sure. um, we went and spoke to dozens of people. Um, I'll give a shout out to Ayo. Uh, who Amazing gives, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we spoke to him. We spoke to um, Black Muslim Forum. I don't know if you've yes, heard, of heard of them. Uh, Sukena, Sister Sukena. Um, and again, these are like organizations that have been yeah. like, or, and, and people that have been talking about this and, and being very passionate and vocal about this. So we wanted to include them in our work. Uh, we actually spoke, spoke to Nama B. Robert as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we formed our study. So it wasn't just two random guys from Hackney that had no knowledge of what we were doing. Uh, we, we tried to include as many people. So possible. is that the kind of process you do for all the studies or so you, what does it look like? I mean, now we're like quite established, right? Sure. Well, you know, I'll take that back. Now we're gr- like a growing. Growing. You are um, so <laughs> So we we have people that have actually qualified and are mem- MRS certified. MRS oh, wow. being market research uh, societies certified. Sure. Um, and so all of this is voluntary. Yeah, no, I mean, so Muslim Census we uh, funded um, yeah, sure. their certification, um, and these are like volunteers who've been volunteering with us for close to two years, mm. um, eighteen months at the very least. Um, and so they have the expert now uh, research knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then we combine that with, rather than individuals, actual organizations. So, um, for example, the cost of living study, we spoke with uh, Joseph Franchery Foundation. We spoke with National Zakat Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and through there, that, you know, is, is quite comprehensive. Um, and even with some of our work, we speak with the ONS. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and many other organizations. Um, so we, we our academic rigor yeah, is, is, a, is a lot better than what it was at the very beginning. That's amazing. And, I've, and, and um, if I'm correct, you had the opportunity for students to do placements. How did that look like? Oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was last year. Um, Can you talk us through that? So, so we did work experience. We had work experience oh, kids. Oh, that's nice. Were they in senses. high school or like A-levels? What age were they? What's the difference? What's high school? Like 15, 16. Secondary school. Oh, okay. Secondary school. Sorry, secondary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. School. <laughs> um, no, no. They were um, college kids. Okay, yeah. Like 16, so they were 16, 16, 17, yeah. 18. Oh, yeah. Like parents' age. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and they... So we ran a whole two-week mm. uh, work experience with them. And they actually published a, a report. Wow. It's on our incredible. website. So I wanted to make sure that they left with yeah. something that they could point to and say they done that's really good um oh no that's fine okay i can keep going um and you know none of them were only one of them was muslim okay oh Um, wow that's interesting yeah so we had non-muslims and they wanted to uh spend work experience with us Uh, yeah (laughs) so one of the the one muslim person that volunteered or did the work experience she reached out to her person at the college and said i want to do work experience with muslim census okay and so she reached out to us and we said no way we've never done this before but i'm happy to do it like why not um so we had the four of them uh oh it was so funny like they they kept calling me sir (laughs) um they laughed at me because I use Twitter and apparently that's not what cool kids do. Apparently the cool kids use Snapchat. I thought Snapchat died. For us maybe. But yeah, no, Snapchat died for it's us. It's really funny because I was literally saying to Farron yesterday, <laughs> yes, I don't use was. any social media, I just use Twitter. Yeah. Thanks for confirming that. <laughs> Anyways, go yeah, ahead. Twi- uh, Snapchat and... Um, TikTok, of course. Of course, yeah, of course. no doubt these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I was just uh, graining it back into the question. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we had crazy tangent and it gone. <laughs> no, so um, so these two students they uh put forward that they wanted to do placement. So was Muslim Census a registered charity at that point? 
And we're, not, you, we're not registered. We're not a registered charity. We're oh, a limited company. A limited company, yeah, sure. Yeah. So at that time, was it registered? And also, did you um, have a space in which you could accommodate those students? Yeah. Um, so we had four students in total uh, do work experience with us, and we actually did it um, at an off-site place next to the college. Mm-hmm. Um, so we rented out a place, um, wow. and we did the two weeks with them. What was the feedback? Oh, they loved it. Honestly, like oh, they genuinely loved really it. Um, they still are. I'm still in contact with their um, advisor sure. that works at the. Maybe school it could be them. an ongoing thing that you get work. The, the, the only thing is, though, it was quite um, demanding for myself. Sure. You should um, do one week and one student or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but you have um, to recognize that he does have a full time job and he yeah. Does like that, so, the thing is, I was yeah. balancing a full time job whilst running Maybe you work can experience for kids. It to else. Yeah, like it, it's, it's definitely something that I'd love to keep doing yeah. because the, like it's I, I I would have loved a work experience like that there you go, um, yeah. if I was at that age uh, I'm all for it because I'm very passionate about social mobility so nice. I think that's amazing that you facilitated that for those students yeah um, and going back to the main kind of topic um, just kind of moving on what mm. challenges have you faced through Muslim centers and what has it taught you yeah um, I think probably the biggest challenge of Muslim census is gaining the trust of the community mm. because as Sonia gave a clear example a lot of people just assume we're like involved with government um and what and what have you um and our job is to kind of dispel that and make it very very clear that we're an independent organization mm. we are self-funded you know um there's a revenue model behind us but we serve the community like we're completely community orientated and we want to have impact we're very mission driven um so yeah making it clear to people no this is what we do we're not here to do anything or sell your data anywhere um or be involved with organizations that we feel don't align with the best interests of muslims um so that was a challenge but the way, the way to kind of like overcome that is what I've realised is just be very like present mm. have a presence be present um, and speak about what you're doing as much as possible be transparent um, and that's why you know Jazakallah Khair for you guys to invite me on this show my pleasure um, is, is like stuff like this I value so much uh, because I get to speak about what I do um, and make it seem which it is like very like approachable um and and hopefully people get behind it and support it yeah i think it's something that's really important especially um with a scandal that happened with a certain app a yeah. prayer app yeah people do have this uh, lack of trust towards organizations Absolutely. that that seem to be for the muslim community but then almost go against that mm-hmm, so to mm-hmm. be visible i think that has really helped in terms yeah, of yeah because that, that app I, I couldn't tell you i couldn't I couldn't picture you one person that works there, you know? Yeah. So if you see people that work there, if something goes wrong, at least like my, my neck's on the line, right? Like, y- you know that Sadiq works here and his face has been everywhere. And my team, you know, sure. the likes of Mohammed, likes of Usman, likes of Naira, Zahra, like th- these people will be um, with me as well, right? So <laughs> You will one go down, it will go down. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I really appreciate that because I feel like for for Muslims to be able to engage with an organization that claim to be for the Muslim community, it's really important to have that transparency mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to have that accountability. And I feel the same model is used for pillars and that's why you can see its success. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's something that You we had should... Abdurrahman on, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, nice. nice. Uh, I've got a question from That's someone. my boy. Oh, yeah, um, I think you did touch on it. It was how did you monetize your Muslim census? Oh, people want to know about the business. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> people want to know about the business. How did you monetize it earlier? Okay. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we launched in July, right? In November, we made money off Muslim Muslim census. Um, we made a th- our first thousand pound, and I felt wow, no way. What have I built? Um, so what we do is like commission studies. Yes. So for example, that study there, NZF reached out to us and commissioned us and wanted to find out. Uh, just to interrupt you, just to explain what when, what's NZF? Oh, National Zakat Foundation. Foundation. I know, but people might not know. I apologize. See, I'm not used to this radio stuff, man. Yeah, completely um, fine. You're doing amazing. So um, 
what was I saying? How so you made money? Yes. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, National Zakat Foundation commissioned us. So, what that means is they reached out to us mm. and wanted to find out a certain uh, or like uh, donation habits of a certain subgroup of Muslims. Mm. So, they reached out to us. We say, cool. We reach out to the people. We get them to complete a survey. We analyze it and we share with. Uh, whoever commissioned us So we've been commissioned by the NHS uh, Genomics England We've been commissioned By startups like Algebra mm-hmm. um, Which is a fintech startup uh, Of course we've been commissioned Twice now by uh, National Zakat Foundation um, and, and a few other startups As well that we've loved Like the experience of, of Working uh, with them um, And yeah we're here to plug The gap right like if if your business or your charity or your what have you is here to serve Muslims, mm. what's like we're a great tool for you guys to use to understand how to mm. do exactly that, um, and yeah, hopefully we we like want to build it out a bit more, you know, um, in terms of like reaching out to more organisations and saying, look, do you know how you serve your Muslim uh, users or what have you, um, and get them to use us perfect um i have a question as well just following on on from that um how do you conduct this research and how do you measure its success because if you are being commissioned surely there's a criteria that you have to fulfill so how does how does that look yeah um so how we're commissioned um is essentially to make ensure that we provide a sample that is what they're looking for mm-hmm. uh, normally it's just representative of the uk so we make sure that you know we've got a good uh gender split we've got a good um age split region um ethnicity of course um and then off the back of that is and this is where we have absolutely no qualms issues whatever because our team are so talented we've got cool. just under 30 people now uh, volunteering with us from two to thirty. That's amazing. From two to thirty, yeah. Um, and we had our uh, offsite in December, which was like really cool. Um, the report writing, like the an- analysis and report writing, is like top notch. Um, so, and then and then we 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 publish, and we 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 get a lot of attention from our reports. We've been featured in, as I mentioned, the Guardian. The Independent, Financial mm. Times, BBC, ITV. Um, I've been I've been all over the place, man. Um, so like, data is so important. Sure. So and obviously, the more Muslim census grows, I think it will be as a, a positive light for 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 Muslims in the UK. Inshallah. Inshallah. That's that's amazing. I'm very biased, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, following on to, from that, uh, one of the studies that you did do was mm-hmm. the cost of living crisis, which is really relevant yes. for the Muslim community. And Muslim Census surveyed 1,568 people, age ranging from 18 to 65. Um, I want to just come to ask you: Can you talk us through what your findings were? Yeah. So ag- again, like we really wanted to do this study because um, the country we're talking about the cost of living crisis, sure. and Again, this is why we exist, because Muslim charities and charities in general are going to have to provide for Muslims, but we need to really understand what the cost of living crisis means for Muslims in this country. Um, So, again, we spoke with NZF, the National Zakat Foundation beforehand. Um, We spoke with a few food banks. um, And they mentioned that we're seeing a surge in Muslims. Sure. We're seeing a surge in people asking if the food that we provide is halal, which is something that you've never, like, I never considered. Like, whoa, hang on. Yeah. Like, mm. yes, they're going to food banks, but the food has to still yes. be halal. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so we took inspiration from uh, these organizations and individuals um, and went and conducted this study. Um, and Algebra, of course, uh, supported this study as well. Um, and what we found, we, we we found quite a number of shocking statistics, actually. Um, and it, it's quite, 
uneasy to think about Muslims struggling like this in this country. But uh, more than half of all British Muslims have experienced difficulty in paying at least one bill in the last year. Uh, 65%, this, this is quite big, right? 65% of Muslims have had to take out some form of debt to manage everyday costs and bills. And when you think Muslims have that added restriction of riba, riba and the fact that some of these people have had to then go ahead and take out a personal loan um, or are deep into their overdraft, um, it's a huge concern. It's a huge concern. And I think as a community, we have a response. We have a real responsibility to help these people because I think on the Day of Judgment, um, we will be held accountable rather than them. Um and uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry for going like no, crazy deep no, on, on it's, you guys. It's extremely, extremely um, important. Um, we are coming to the end of the show. We already have two more minutes. Oh my gosh! Um, and I think what you have just mentioned it's it's something that we all can, need to. Can I mention one thing? Sure, go ahead. Um, on, like yes, I've mentioned some like hard statistics, but um, we've had like one person, like uh, many people, come out and say because of this report, I'm giving my zakat in the UK. Uh, and and that's exactly the reason why we're doing these types of work, yeah. um, and like nas- the work National Zakat Foundation are doing on the ground, the work behind the scenes algebra are doing. Uh, they sh- I, I just wanted to mention that. Now that's Go on, cut me off. <laughs> no, no, no. He's just thinking. Good ending, I think. That's yeah, really I think ending. I think it, what kind of the summary of it is that Muslim Census is really trying to tackle. Um, the inequalities that we have in in our Muslim community, but also highlighting it and using data in a way to inform policy, because that's how you can enact change. And in terms of um, recommendations and actions, that's followed by through the data. So I think it's something really, really significant. Um, and I, I really pray that Allah puts barakah into um, it, just because it's such a great initiative. And yeah. I think all of us should be backing this because it's something that we require. Ten, ten seconds, you got. Um, to get involved, follow Muslim Census on all socials, just Muslim Census, or go to our website, muslimcensus.co.uk. And they have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. All socials. That is the coming to the end of the show. Thank you so much, uh, Sadiq, for coming on the show. We look, to, look forward to having you again. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.org.